It's Friday, March 10th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Molly Quell, contributing editor at Dutch News, and with me today are my colleague at Dutch News, Gordon Derrick, and Paul Peters, a master student and Ophef expert. How is everybody doing this week? Yeah, yeah pretty good. Uh, I'm looking forward to weekend. Uh, see the forecast for about 16 degrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, spring yeah. is coming. Spring I saw some, coming. Uh, some blooming daffodils on my way in today, so it was yeah, nice. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, I had some midterms this week, so I had an awful week. I'm sorry. Um, Are you going to celebrate this weekend by destroying your liver? No, I have work to do more. <laughs> I'm a responsible student. Are you, though? No. Yeah. Gordon, I hear your kids are out of town, so you're going to be uh, also celebrating by uh, destroying your liver, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, my kids are away. They're uh, spending the weekend with their grandparents, so I'll probably spend the weekend uh, working gotcha. because it's the weekend before the election. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah. I'm going to be spending my weekend uh, assembling IKEA furniture because the boyfriend and I are off to IKEA on Saturday to uh, purchase a couch and such nonsense. Yeah, I mean, you'll be trying to stay um, uh, uh, stay upright while you're doing it. Yes, and not falling off. And not any, falling uh, off. That is a reference <laughs> to the fact that my chin is all sliced up because I fell off of a ladder uh, to. Days ago. Yeah, so you were like the pavement yeah, the poles. I, yeah, that's, that's about correct. Yeah, falling down from a, yeah, from a low base. From a low yeah, base, yeah, yeah that, that's about accurate. <laughs> this week we are going to discuss the Dutch reaction to the Turkish referendum. Uh, Gordon will tell us, of course, a little bit more about weed, and we will discuss some names for Hurt Wilders's uh, new kittens. And in the discussion, we are going to talk about the latest uh, election updates, so lots of uh, polls and other uh, interesting information. In our top story this week, Prime Minister Mark Rutte has described a visit from the Turkish foreign minister set for next week as, quote, undesirable. The visit is scheduled ahead of the Turkish constitutional referendum on April 16th, in which Turkey will vote on essentially an expansion of powers for President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Amendments include shifting Turkey from a parliamentary system to an executive democracy, increasing the number of seats in parliament, and abolishing the prime minister's office. The visit from Foreign Minister Mevlut Shavusilu was aimed at rallying support among the Turkish population in the Netherlands, most of whom hold dual Dutch and Turkish citizenship and thus are eligible to vote in the election. Despite Dutch government opposition, Shavushalu said no one can stop us at a press conference on Thursday. A rally associated with the minister's visit has also been postponed after the organizer pulled out, citing concerns for public safety. A number of Dutch politicians have come out against the referendum, including PVV leader Hurt Wilders, who tweeted that Turkish politicians should not campaign in the Netherlands. The Netherlands isn't the only country to face this discussion. Several towns in Germany have banned pro-referendum rallies. Yeah, Geert Wilders even held uh, a demonstration at the Turkish embassy in The Hague. Yeah. yeah, and he wanted Parliament to be recalled next week, and he wanted to have an emergency debate about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, from recess. Yeah, yeah from recess. They will, they will be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was never really going to happen. But you can see this is the kind of issue that uh, Wilders likes to get his teeth into. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because the Turkish ref, uh, the Turkish population here is tends to be very, very pro Erdogan. In part because uh, a lot of the immigrants who who came to the Netherlands from Turkey in the seventies were from rural places, and that tends to be where Erdogan mm. has a stronghold. So. Yeah, and of course it starts in Germany, doesn't didn't it? Where the German government uh, opposed uh, Turkish ministers coming in campaigning, and uh, the Turkish government replied by you know uh, comparing them with the Nazis. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, so that didn't go down very well with the German government. No, I can't, can't um, imagine why not. And maybe not the best... Uh Comparison, uh, compar- to but especially for the Turkish government, given that you know the the, the Germans have uh, sort of apologised for and acknowledged the Holocaust, whereas Turkey is still in deep denial about the Armenian genocide in the First World War. Yeah, which has caused uh, lots of problems for them, especially as Turkey has been discussing you know possibly entering the EU. But it's it's sort of contingent that they at least acknowledge that they committed a genocide <laughs> before they uh, before yes. they move forward with this. And eighty-five uh, percent of the Dutch uh, Turkish people voted for Erdogan in his last election. So. Yeah. 
In some uplifting news, Dutch photographer Rineke Dijkstra won the Hasselblad Award, announced the Swedish Hasselblad Foundation on Wednesday. The so-called Nobel Prize of Photography is considered one of the most prestigious photography awards in the world. The jury, who described her as one of the most important contemporary artists working with photographic portraits, says in their report that she is focusing on all aspects of identity and capturing moments of transition and vulnerability. Along with one million Swedish crowns, she wins an exhibition of her work in Gothenburg. A link with a selection of Dijkstra's work will be included in the liner notes. Well, congratulations to, yeah, her. to yeah, her. Congratulations to her. Yeah, she does take some really beautiful portraits. So yeah, nice yeah, they were, uh, I, I'd never heard of her actually. Really? No. Oh, okay. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. No, I never heard of her. So yes. I uh, had an had a opportunity to look at her work this morning and I was uh, really impressed with her. Cool. Yeah. A housing corporation in Amsterdam has failed in its bid to evict a man for growing his own marijuana. Ronald Hillebrand says he depends on the drug to alleviate the symptoms of nausea brought on by HIV. Last year, the Eichehardt Corporation tried to evict him from the home where he has 51 cannabis plants growing at any one time, but the district court decided this week that he could stay. 58-year-old Hillebrand said the medical marijuana available from pharmacies doesn't control his symptoms and weed sold in coffee shops is too expensive. The housing corporation said it was studying the judgment in detail, which I think is code for saying we're in a big sulk about it. <laughs> yeah, but but I thought you were only allowed to have five cannabis Yeah, plants, so right? how is he not... I think he must have a special dispensation given his medical condition. Oh, okay, to, gotcha. You know, to, to, to and so, and they just, they only want to evict him over the marijuana plants? It's not also something else? Uh, I think the, the, the marijuana plants is kind of the, it's a tipping point. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, perhaps uh, after our discussion a few weeks ago about marijuana legalization in this country, they will uh, the the Dutch government will make some inroads into clarifying the legislation. If our uh, listeners are wondering what the actual legal status of marijuana is, they can go back to that episode. We'll link to it in the liner notes. But I think this is really uh, re- really a Dutch court ruling. All the co- all the judges are really considerate, and they always take the the personal circumstances into account before they they rule anything. They don't just apply the law literally. They always take a look at at. F- at any uh, at any circumstances yeah mm-hmm. coca-cola has confirmed it will pull sprite out of the dutch market starting on monday following a report in the financiale dagblad according to coca-cola spokesperson richel schalsberg the netherlands is one of the most health conscious countries in the world and soft drinks are considered to be a symbol for obesity despite the fact that 80 percent of the dutch population still consume twice the daily advised amount of sugar the sugar-free versions of the sprite brand such as sprite zero and sprite light however will continue to be available in the supermarkets. If the withdrawal from the Dutch market is considered a success, it could be possible that other countries will follow. Yeah, I like Sprite. I'm really sad by this news. <laughs> I mean, soda is all terrible for you, but I mean, I don't understand why Sprite is any worse for you than Coke or Fanta yeah, or they, my they personal des- favorite, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> they described it as a sugar bomb. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but isn't that all like of these? I mean, well, the sugar, the, the sugar-free drinks aren't, right? They no, don't I, have guess, sugar. I suppose that's and true. And they, they, they only uh, consider the sugar and yeah. not the other garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's slightly odd that Coca-Cola seem to be sort of actively trying to you know, withdraw one of their products uh, from markets around the world. I wonder Maybe if... Think, are they not trying to just make space for something else? Well, because they bought several like juice brands, yeah. so I wonder if they're hoping that people will trade this off. Although juice also has an insane amount of sugar in it and really isn't like that that much better for you than a lot of sodas are yeah, in But people regard. think it's healthier because it's called juice. In political news now, Geert Wilders got a new addition to his party as he got two new kittens on Wednesday. The PVV party leader was initially scheduled to visit an animal shelter on Wednesday, but this was cancelled after revelation that his security detail might have been compromised. Instead, his wife went to the shelter using her maiden name and came home with the cats. 
Mr. Wilders revealed this in a Goedemorgen Nederland morning talk show on Thursday. He also asked the internet to come up with names for his new pets. Mr. Wilders, who is a cat lover, used to regularly share photos of his cat Lola on Twitter, but unfortunately she died last year. Mr. Wilders wasn't asked any further critical questions regarding his policy proposals on the talk show. So did Twitter come up with any uh, great names? Uh, yeah, I saw Minder and Minder. Yeah, yeah. that does not surprise yeah. me. Uh, I saw Hank and Ingrid. His, yeah, obviously, uh, obviously Hank's a boy's name, but uh, it's okay to call a female cat by a boy's name in, in the <laughs> Netherlands. Especially in the Netherlands, yeah, yeah which is uh, he always uses Hank and Ingrid to uh, refer to uh, the normal people. Normal people. Uh, I also saw uh, Fleur and uh, Vicky, who are his uh, number two and number three on the party list. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. Any, yeah. Do you guys have any good suggestions for, uh, for cat names? Uh, I thought maybe Ma and Rocco. Oh. <laughs> um, Molly and Gordon. Yeah, Molly and Gordon. That's true. If you want to yeah. uh, name your cats after us, Mr. Wilders, you're welcome to do that. And first, but first, I think you have to unblock all three of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are you blocked as well? I'm Molly? blocked as well. Wow. Yes, all three of us have yeah. had this designation. Although, because of cat Gordon, it's more likely to be named after the um, uh, the singer Gordon than me. <laughs> oh, I was thinking Gordon, Gordon, Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. could name it after Gordon yeah, Ramsay. Yeah. Yeah, you could call them Gere and Gore, which yeah. is a... Uh, what about famous two uh, two famous women with terrible bleach blonde hair to go uh, with the blonde hair? Because you can name uh, them like Boris and, and Trump, but that's not. Yeah, yeah. Not, well, not well, Madeline Albright. Madeline Albright. Yeah, you could name them. Um, yeah, what about Marine and Le Pen? Yeah, Marina Le Pen. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. All right. You're welcome to use all of these, uh, Mr. Wilders, if you're listening. Yeah, if you're listening, which you won't be. But speaking of blocking on Twitter, he received some uh, some critique uh, this week in uh, in some newspapers that he's blocking basically everyone on Twitter. Of course he is. Yeah, this is well known. In fact, people have actually set up uh, separate accounts on Twitter to retweet what uh, or to put repost uh, Wilders' tweets for all the people who are blocked by him. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. Is, uh, which is basically, basically the entire everyone. population. <laughs> but I heard a rumor that he has a fake Twitter account that he uses to be able to actually follow people yeah, and that he, that account follows about 10 or 12 uh, Donald Duck accounts. He 17. Had, 17. Yeah. 17. 17, yeah. 17, yeah. He had, he had, I don't know if he still has it, but certainly his main account doesn't follow anybody. It's one of the things he's well known for. Yeah. yeah so he had Beyonce. a shadow account to, to follow all the news agencies mm -hmm. and including 17 Donald Duck uh, characters and Dutch porn star Kim Holland. Oh, okay. Mm. Well, uh, interesting uh, reading material for Mr. Wilders there. Yes. Yeah, keeps him busy. In other election news, Dutch voters who live abroad will not get any extra time to send their votes to The Hague, even though around 1,000 of the 78,000 expats were still waiting for their ballot papers to arrive last week. This week, D66 MP Elko Kay went to the city's district court to argue that any vote posted on or before March the 15th should count as valid, even if it arrived afterwards. He said, quote, A serious number of Dutch voters abroad are being robbed of their voting rights. However, judges upheld the deadline of next Wednesday's afternoon post. In some countries, such as Australia, people can send their vote to the Dutch embassy, but since even the inland post in Australia can take six days to get to Canberra, some Australian residents are facing a race against time. So, so it's true that their votes won't be valid? If, if the votes come in after the 15th of March, uh, they won't be valid. But, yeah, but so there were also some problems with, uh, with people uh, in, living abroad with receiving their votes. Exactly, yeah. So some of them still hadn't, or certainly by the end of, by the beginning of this week, still hadn't received their ballots. And, it, and given the margins are so tight in the election, I mean, it could, you know, a couple of thousand overseas votes could, could, make, a could make a difference between a party finishing, you know, sort of third or fifth or something. And is there a reason that they, you can't just vote at the embassies, like in, the, in various countries? 
I th- I th- in some countries you can, but then again, I mean, just if you live in rural Australia, yeah. you, you might be three days' drive from your embassy. Yeah, that's true. So, and also, I mean, if you think about what happened in in Austria earlier this year, where they actually ended up having to rerun the presidential election because of uh, doubts over foreign ballots. Right. So you don't want to repeat that situation here. Yeah. I um, can vote by email. <laughs> the state that I'm registered in in the U.S., you can vote by email. Yeah, and that's not dangerous at all. Mm. I had a, I had a really entertaining uh, experience with voting because, of course, they send you this like fillable PDF and you you send it back. And so I kept was you know voting for Donald Trump on and showing all the people that I had voted for Donald Trump, and people were sort of panicking. But of course, you can just you can just change it on the ballot before you send it back. I did not vote for Donald Trump. Do not send us any hate mail about me voting for Donald Trump. She did. Of course, this week there's even more election news. We'll be updating you with all of the election happenings, including an update on the polls, after this word from our sponsors. Don't know the difference between the PVDA and the PVV? With Dutch national elections rapidly approaching, Dutch News has all the election coverage you need. Our reporting is entirely in English, and we publish daily updates about the polls, debates and campaigns ahead of the March 15th election. Every week we feature a long-form article about a topic which features prominently in this election. On the evening of the election, we'll host a live blog on our site discussing the results as they come in. You can find all of the Dutch news and election coverage at dutchnews.nl slash election 2017. We are now only five days away from Dutch national elections, and judging from the number of Groen Links folks ringing my doorbell incessantly, there is nothing else going on in the world. Judging from the front page of the NRC, perhaps not so much. Guys, we saw everything this week from new polls, approximately 8 million think pieces on Kurt Wilders, and the Prime Minister facing an origami protest. <laughs> Gordon, can we start with the polls? So what do the latest polls tell us? Yeah, so the latest polls, uh, things haven't moved all that much in the polls this week. Uh, we see that um, uh, Kurt Wilders is still on a downward trajectory, but not falling quite as fast. Um, the on average, It looks, well, yeah, the aggregate poll, the piling visor, shows that um, Mark Rutter's and the Fefe Day are slightly, maybe slightly ahead. Uh, by a seat or two, and then the Christian Democrats are probably the party that are um, moving up fastest. They're, they're almost creating now a group of three at the top, um, and that leaves uh, D66 and Hoon Link still in sort of fourth and fifth place, and then the Socialists and Labour, as you were. Uh, no one else has really moved all that much. So yeah. Yeah, a- analysts uh, consider the, this election to be a duel between Mark Rutte of VVD and Buma of CDA, even though CDA is still third in the polls. Mm. So that's interesting. I mean, is that a consideration because the the prospects of Wilders forming a coalition is so low that, I mean, you kind of sort of are writing him off in that regard? I think that's part of it, and also the, the campaign itself, because Wilders hasn't been, has, has barely been uh, present in the campaign, that it, the campaigns come down to really Rutte um, uh, and uh, Buma uh, vying to be um, the most likely prime minister. So speaking of uh, uh, Wilders not really appearing too much in the campaign, he has finally appeared in a debate, or it, the debate has taken place but isn't televised until tomorrow, I understand, right? Yeah, he, he took part in the uh, children's news debate, the Jochstrumel, um, which is a thing they have every election. The um, the main leaders, I think this time it was five leaders, uh, all take part in a debate for the children's um, evening news show. Um, and uh, it's not quite like a regular debate, because um, obviously it's, uh, it's for an audience of kids, so they do things like kind of the mannequin challenge. Um, they had to have a game where they, it was a bit like pin the tail on the donkey, where they all had a little magnet and had to try and guess blindfolded where the tour and tour of the Prime Minister's office is in the parliamentary complex. <laughs> oh, that's um, kind of funny. Yeah. But they also discussed some issues as well, and they also had to come up with nice things to say about each other. They each had to come up with a compliment 
for one did of their colleagues. Did anyone have a... Oh, so, so what was the compliment <laughs> made about Wilders? Uh, Ruta said that Wilders was uh, very funny and uh, he, he was good at making jokes. And oh, okay. that he, uh, you know, if, if Ruta got the better of Wilders in a, in, in, in a debate or on an issue, Wilders would send him a text afterwards saying, you got me there. Oh, okay. Oh, well, yeah. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, that's I had no idea they were so yeah. uh, so friendly. So what did uh, Wilders say about... Who did he have to give a compliment I've to? I've actually forgotten. Um, but, the, but the elections are... Uh, I, I heard someone say that it's really boring the the, uh, the entire election campaign uh, and cycle because nothing really happens actually uh, really I feel like the, the I don't know maybe this is this is this is my second um, round of elections in the Netherlands and I feel like this I'm finding this one much more entertaining than the last uh, the last bit yeah huh. there's, there's, been, there's been quite a few debates but I don't think there's really been that much confrontation yeah, in that's them true. because maybe you, when you look at uh, the way the polls are shaping up you can more or less see that you got we're likely to have a kind of core of three parties in the next coalition yeah, and the and polls have been really stable for the yeah. past yeah. Uh, months actually yeah that's true but did you see the debate on Sunday uh, I did. I watched uh, a bit of it. Was this your first uh, Dutch uh, debate experience? It was my first Dutch, yeah, sort of. Did you watch it entirely? That I watched. Yeah. I did watch it entirely. And what were your thoughts about that? I thought it was very interesting. I might, you know, my Dutch is okay. It's not. It's not great. So I did have to have my boyfriend uh, do <laughs> do a bit of translating, which uh, I I appreciate his efforts, but he does have a very uh, strong political bent in his own <laughs> viewpoints. So there was uh, quite a bit of social commentary when I was asking for uh, for clarifying questions, which was uh, entertaining. Yeah. Um, but it's a bit different than uh, than than sort of American uh, than American. How is debates. it different? Well, I think, like uh, you were saying, Gordon, that it doesn't seem like it's that particularly controversial. I mean, in, you know, in the sort of uh, American political, like, take, for example, the Republican uh, primary debates. I mean, Trump called another candidate on the stage <laughs> ugly, like, while she was mm -hmm. standing there. I mean, like, it gets a little more uh, heated and a little more personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, a lot less Jesus. American elections have, have significantly more Jesus than Dutch elections do. Well, that is because the, the, the Christian parties do not participate right. because these uh, debates are generally held on, on the Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, 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 that's true. So maybe if they were held on a different night, I would, I would see that differently. Yeah, so Jesus fact is more kind of marginalized, isn't it? Yeah, and, and the debates as well, they're kind of they're, they're chopped up into little sections. So yeah. you have a mini debate uh, of about sort of I don't know, 15 minutes between four candidates, uh, yeah. and, so, and that, that sort of breaks things up a bit. Yeah. So it makes it harder for them to actually go head to head. And you're right, you don't have the kind of direct insults yeah. that you have in American campaigns. You don't have the real sort of zingers and one liners right. quite as much. Well, that's, that's more Kit Wilders' speciality. Yeah. So I think the debates are a bit milder and more moderate in tone because he's not there. I, uh, <laughs> I think it was the Financial Times that described the debates as technocratic. Yeah, yeah. I also I thought the same thing that um, that it was very like there was a lot of like sort of very specific we I would call it like sort of weedsy right like a lot of like nitpicky kind of like policy little bits and yeah. stuff like that so which was kind of interesting because sometimes I, I feel like oftentimes uh, American politicians I mean Hillary Clinton is a real technocrat but other than everyone else on the stage right there was no real discussion about sort of policy nuances in this way yeah, and I've been following the American elections for the past two years now uh, uh, and, and, and what struck me was that in the Dutch debates they are always complimenting the, their opponents yeah. They say, well, I, uh, I, I, I compliment you with your point of view or yeah. your accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And uh, the American elections, they never do that. Yeah, they're yeah. definitely less no, uh, nice in that regard. I suppose it's partly because after the election, quite, um, they know that uh, it's quite likely that two or three of them will have to get together in government and work with each other. Yeah. So they can't alienate each other the way they can in a you know one-on-one -on -one confrontation like an American election where it's either one candidate wins or the other one. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, um, I feel, I, I used to... Uh, 
uh, feel very strongly that the two-party system was a better system than the sort of parliamentarian system with all of these sort of fringe parties that crop up. And I have really changed my mind on that mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. I think that uh, the way that you have to have discourse when people do have to work together is a lot nicer and sort of on a micro level that you find that people, even when they disagree, almost don't disagree sort of very vehemently in this way, right? That like you can have a dinner party where someone, there's 10 people there and everyone is voting for a different party and that the, for the most part, like the, you know, the nuances are kind of small and everyone is kind of friendly about it. And it's not such like a part of your identity the way it is in the U.S. So it's results in a gezelliger dinner party. <laughs> that is very true. Although my dinner parties are always very gezellig. Yeah, so. Indeed, yeah, yeah. I, th I think what's been interesting as well is that uh, the main issues hasn't been that much um, uh, debate hasn't been that heated uh, on on things like uh, identity and healthcare, which you thought going to be the big issues. But there's been quite a lot of um, discussion on sort of some of the, some of the minor issues that weren't uh, that have come through. I mean, um, things like the Groningen um, you know, gas extraction. Yeah. That's a, that, that's a real you know um, source of anger up in uh, the northern provinces. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, there was a very uh, so people were saying that the uh, the, the election has been boring but there was the the best protest i wow. feel like of all time about yeah. the chronic gas extraction yeah so in the uh, uh Pao and yinek talk show they uh invite a, a politician every night and then they uh will invite some civilians and some uh, some people that will ask questions uh, regarding their concerns to, to to the politician that is invited and mark Rutte had a angry mob of groningers uh, in the studio and they were shouting and they were yelling at him about the the the, the Groninger well earthquakes and the whole situation there with people not feeling safe at their homes and it was really yeah, you've seen it, right? It was I very think. intense. Yeah, it was yeah. intense. Yeah. People yeah. had like these little paper signs that they had all folded up saying like, not yeah. my premiere and stuff like yeah. that. Like, yeah. It was, yeah, it was yeah, quite it's a... brought them with them, folded up, hadn't it? Yeah. And unfolded them in the course of yeah. the debate and uh, sort of held them up. And he, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, the sound of two dozen angry Honingers uh, growling at you is uh, pretty intimidating yeah, in, and, and, in a small and studio. And as a politician, this yeah. is, of course, your absolute nightmare that you are in a in a live broadcast uh, with a very well-viewed show and there is an angry mob shit shouting and yelling at you yeah. I mean there's no way you can win this right no yeah, of course not you can't hide from that and Ritter tried to be you know he tried to tone it down he tried to be reasonable and say I feel your pain but he looked he really squirmed you know he looked yeah. um, isolated uncomfortable it's not a, it's not a sight you see that often in Dutch politics no another, another sight you see from, from Mark Rutte because he usually he can handle an awkward situation or a difficult yeah, situation yeah he's a real consummate politician yeah he can, he can handle that pretty good but, yeah. but now it was well, no, he definitely looked awkward and uh, yeah, yeah. Ritter likes to be in control of a situation, doesn't he? And he definitely wasn't in control of that. No. Yeah. No. So, do you think maybe that there's going to be any more? Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about the lawsuits with the Groningen gas fields and stuff like that. So maybe we'll see some changes to the uh, to the policy in this. Regard. Yes, uh, there will definitely be some some changes regarding the the Groningen policy, uh, and it will uh, you know it will uh, have results in the budget as well because a lot of the income for the Dutch government comes from the Groningen gas. Uh, uh, selling to other nations and yeah. to other countries. So. Yeah, and they're, they're talking about scaling back the um, gas production still more, um, still further. And of course, it's really necessary because the the this whole situation, the entire situation in Groningen, it's uh, it's it's gone out of control with the earthquakes, and uh, people really have to leave their houses because their their the houses are uh, collapsing. So uh, there really needs to be something done. But it isn't fair to 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 invite a prime minister to the debate and then have an angry mob. Mm -hmm. uh, channeling all their anger and blaming him for 50 years of policy on, on this one person. Yeah, that's true, although and he is the prime minister.
Leicester. So yeah, of course, he, he's, he's, he needs to, yeah. to get some heat, of course. Yeah. Uh, but if you compare this to, to yesterday, they, they uh, invited Jesse Klaver and they invited 10 millennials who adored him and thought he is a god. So the, the contrast yeah. is striking in this form. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. 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 And then the, the, another po- the other politician who was put on the spot uh, this week was Alexander Pechtold of uh, DCC6. Yeah, this the, is the over the euthanasia thing, right? Yeah, there was a, the, the, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, they had a guy in the studio who uh, basically he was, I think, 57 years old and he said he wanted to die. And um, you know, he was challenging Pechtold on obviously D66 of the party that introduced this bill in the last parliament um, to allow people over 75 who decide quite sincerely I've had enough of life to be to be helped basically to die. Yeah, so, so they suggested they introduced the law but one of the compromising uh, clauses was that, that you can only have euthanasia after 75. Yeah. And that wasn't according to the to the wishes of Deza's sister, but it is in the law. And this guy is 57 mm. and he wants to die, but he still has to wait almost 20 years before he can uh, apply for euthanasia. Yeah, it's and interesting. Yeah, and it's interesting because Pechtold is used, obviously, to debating this with people who are against the idea altogether. But this is somebody coming from the opposite perspective and actually saying, you know, I want you to get on with it. I yes, want and to it was a really emotional question, right? It yeah. Is, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, I, was, I was wondering, what if this guy was uh, opposite one of the SGP uh, people, for example, uh, how, would, how would they have responded? Yeah, well, I'm the, really the, curious the, about that. Well, the Christian parties um, made an issue of it the day after they came out and said, because Petal has said that he, 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 he agreed with the guy in principle, but he also made the point that you, you can't take this too fast and you can't um, yeah, you have to be really careful. You seem careful, it's a very sensitive issue, and you've got to make sure that you've actually got you know, society is comfortable with this kind of reform. So, but the Christian parties then came out and, and said, you know, that they, they were uncomfortable with the fact that, uh, you know, he, he suggested that actually it was okay to. Um, for um, the state or uh, medical specialists to help people die when they're perfectly healthy, yeah. and there should be more emphasis on combating things like you know loneliness and depression. And, yeah. uh, Can I ask a very morbid, morbid question? <laughs> is there a reason that someone like that doesn't just commit suicide? Like, is there an advantageous in the law to to doing this like through the euthanasia process? He had tried before, I think. I mean, yeah. he, 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 he I think he said he had, a, he had a wish to die for about thirty years, yeah. and he tried to take an overdose, but um, yeah, he'd, he'd been found before he uh, it was. Too late okay. yeah I suppose yeah. That does so perhaps it's too traumatic for him to try again yeah yeah uh, but it's really surprising that the euthanasia or the life-ending law has become such a uh, election topic actually exactly I think it was, that was surprising for me as well the fact it's become an election issue you know it's obviously an issue in in, in society in general yeah, but I uh, thought we closed this chapter actually yes for the listeners society. can you guys give a short breakdown as to like who is opposed and who is against the euthanasia the situation here maybe um, well, D66 is the party that's taken the lead on this because when euthanasia itself, there's a, there's a difference between euthanasia and right to die. This is more yeah. about right to die, healthy people or, or people who are physically healthy saying, I don't want to go on living. It was euthanasia, which came in about uh, 15 years ago. It was another D66 initiative, but that's more about, well, originally it was for people who are terminally ill and just don't want the pain at the end of their life. So they want assistance from their doctor um, uh, uh, to, to die quietly. Um, but D66 are in favour of euthanasia, and uh, other parties uh, are broadly in favour, such as I think the Fefe Day. Um, or they don't uh, oppose or it. They don't oppose yeah. it, rather, yeah. Um, and and uh, so then who is opposed to it? The Christian party? The Christian party is yeah. against it, yeah. Um, and other parties want to make sure that uh, euthanasia doesn't go any further than it's already gone. Okay. Because one of the things about it is that uh, as euthan- you know, over the last 15 years since it became legal, the number of people requesting euthanasia 
procedure has gone up, and also the range of people. Originally, it was almost all can terminal cancer patients, but now people who've had things like long-term depression, even alcohol addiction, yeah. have um, had their request for euthanasia granted. Yeah, I remember there was a big debate uh, in Belgium a year or two ago because they were thinking about allowing children, so like people, I think, over the age of 12, to be able to request this, even those yeah. with like, yeah. apparently uh, until now you couldn't you couldn't do it at all for t for 12 days. No, they have done in, in yeah. Belgium last year. There was a 17 year old, but again, yeah. he was terminally ill. He had yeah. terminal cancer. He wasn't going to live longer than yeah. about six months, yeah. and he was able to request euthanasia. That was yeah. the first case. Yeah, but uh, this has been a question in two debates now. Yeah. Uh, it has yeah. been a topic. So that, that's that's what what's so interesting. I thought we we, we closed this chapter. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting to become an election issue because I don't know really whether putting an issue like this in the heat and the polarizing atmosphere of uh, of a general of an election when it's such a sensitive subject yeah. whether it does any favors to you know the people who are affected by it sure. yeah. I, so broadly speaking what do you guys think are the big election issues so i think you have a lot of discussion about sort of immigration and maybe islamophobia that kind of stuff which is sort of generated by the pay but otherwise i mean what do you think that the biggest topics are that they're talking about i don't think there is one uh, uh, uh election issue there are several of them and they are uh, equally important but there's no not one outstanding so I think healthcare is uh, is, is a big issue um, immigration uh, safety uh, defense also as well uh, regarding the NATO and uh, uh, Trump's uh, remarks uh, right. regarding that mm -hmm. um, um, but there's not one issue that stands out in my opinion no I'd say pensions think? has been quite an issue oh, as well pensions, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say I feel like I hear a lot of uh, discussion about raising the pension age lowering the pension age mm -hmm. raising the pension age that's also a lot of uh, uh, there's also a lot of criticism about these topics because they're all concerning uh, uh, elderly or 50 plus people yeah. right and mm -hmm. and there are no uh, for example climate change or whatever th that hasn't been uh, uh, brought up in one of the debates uh, uh, whatsoever right. mm -hmm. uh, which is a topic that generally concerns younger people um, and so, so a lot of young people think they are neglected by uh, yeah. by, by the debates yeah. and why do you think a topic like climate change which obviously I mean there's a green party and also there's the party for animals who are quite big on green issues yeah but they never bring it up for some reason yeah, I, I, I don't understand that is actually. it because there's a general consensus here that that climate change is real it is happening and we should do things about it unlike say the US where you don't have that uh, general yes but then consensus. you can still have a debate about the the, the, the fine-tuning uh, right. thing yeah uh, I guess that's right? true yeah. and they, they completely ignore it for yeah some I, reason. I've heard like nothing about it it could be the case that you know the debates the, the organization they they set the, they set the topics right they set the questions and if they don't happen to ask questions regarding sustainability or climate change then it won't be discussed yeah there's been some a little bit of discussion hasn't there because uh, Jesse Claver came under attack for his idea to um, introduce to replace the current current system of uh, road taxes with, um, with with a tax per kilometer that you drive yeah. and it would be more in rush hour but you pay five times as much oh, okay. to drive in rush hour than the other times a day and the other parties say that's uh, you know that's a heavy tax on, on motorists it's not the yeah. way to go yeah it's a fine for owning a fine for commuter, the five only car and having to work, you know, nine to yeah. five. Right. Yeah, yeah and uh, 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 a lot of criticism indeed because uh, uh, Hun Links has his base in, in, in the Randstad, in, in, in Amsterdam, in big cities where people take their uh, public transportation or they take a bike to work where uh, if you live in Zeeland or in Limburg, whatever, you have to drive 40, 50, 60 kilometers to work. 
well, if you have to pay uh, a lot of money to go to work, right. well, yeah. that's where the cri criticism comes from. Yeah. Um, so, Gordon, I saw you had a really interesting uh, tweet this week. I think it was from you that was talking about the NRC's front page and how it's this, there was only one tiny, I don't remember which day it was, Tuesday or Wednesday, there was only one tiny election story, which compared to how elections are run in the U.S., where you cannot turn on a television or open a newspaper without seeing pol political stuff. What is going on with that? Yeah, I, th I think it was Wednesday's front page, and it was just one kind of quite oblique reference to the election campaign. It was um, because uh, uh, the Christian Democrat leader, Seabunt Bumad, had come up with this idea that all children should be singing the national anthem in school. And so they didn't actually cover that specifically. They just uh, had a sort of discussion piece about uh, about the national anthem. But yeah, the, 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 and that was the only story on the whole front page of one of the main national newspapers. Yeah, which, a week ahead of yeah, the election. Which in the USA or, or in Britain would be absolutely unthinkable. You'd yeah. have pages and pages of blanket coverage. Yeah. I think in a way, you know, I don't totally object to that. I think it's in the UK you get a lot of sort of very, very um, uh, technical discussion of like the political process, yeah. um, sometimes at the expense of the issues, whereas here the, the, the coverage is a bit, maybe a bit more sober in tone. Um, but the fact there's just so little at all in a national newspaper with a week to go is... Yeah, it's kind of strange. Yeah, is that normal, think, Paul? Paul? Does that strike you as odd? Mm -mm -mm. Well, I I don't have the feeling that the elections are neglected by yeah. the media mm -hmm. whatsoever. But that that front page mm -hmm. was striking indeed. But if you uh, if you open the page, then on page two and three, they it's elections coverage. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. election yeah. coverage. So I I don't agree with you actually. <laughs> that <I'm gonna> do. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting. There's been a lot more I think international in focus on the I don't, I don't know how you explain that. Yeah, but they only focus on Wilders. Yeah, right? they do. To read another freaking yeah, everybody. If I have to read another profile on Wilders in a foreign newspaper, I'm going to throw something. Yeah, every yes. single international journalist I think in the world has now written a profile for Wilders. I certainly have, um, and yeah. I hold my hand up to that. Yeah, <laughs> I've also <laughs> written stuff for international papers. This is the, this is the first election that comes after Trump, Trump. and after Brexit, yeah. Yeah, right? So Trump. they see this in line of, of these uh, outcomes. Yeah. And uh, after Wilders didn't win the elections, uh, the, the international media can forget about Dutch politics for the next few decades. Yeah, again. actually, you know, it's funny. It's earlier today. I have a friend that works on global currency trading in London, and he called me up to ask uh, what my thoughts were on the Dutch election because they were debating whether or not this was going to like move currency markets next week. And I was oh, like, really? the Dutch elections are going to move currency yeah, yeah. Wow. markets. Dutch yeah. elections have an impact on global on events. Global events. Heard of, and he yeah. was like, yeah. So, so I'm reading a lot of things that say, uh, you know, Wilders can't uh, win. And I was like, well, you know, he can win. And then you're trying to explain this whole like oh, yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was like very confusing. I'd say yeah. a lot of a lot of international have been ringing up Dutch news mm. uh, in the last few weeks with some uh, you know, with some interesting questions yeah. that sort of maybe yeah. suggest that they're, that they're still catching up a bit on how the yeah I've been fielding a lot of these strange ones either yeah. on Twitter or on Facebook. Yeah, going. So somebody asks, I think, uh, when are the concession speeches going to be made? Yeah, <laughs> what time do polls close? That was the question I got <laughs> well, on yeah. Facebook today. And, and, and where is Kit Wilders going to have his post-election party? Yeah, yeah, and can we get in? Yeah, <laughs> well, no, yeah. he's going to have it with Minder and Minder at his <laughs> house. Exactly. Yeah. Be on Twitter. Yeah. Well, yeah. the, the problem with with Wilders is actually that his party doesn't have any money so right. they, and and the moment he steps out of parliament uh, he has to pay for his own security so if he's holding a party that you know the yeah. the expenses uh, regarding security are 
out of the roof. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's not having a party yeah. at all. Yeah, but he's, he's still got a budget for cat food, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, hope so. I hope Minder and Minder aren't yeah. going to starve. No. Uh, th- that actually is an interesting, that was another thing that came out this week about uh, the release of donations to the political parties, which there's now a law that says if you donate more than four and a half thousand euros, right, that this has to be made public. And it turns out that the only person that gets a whole lot of money is uh, the Pei Yeah, from, from foreign donors. Yeah, so from one right-wing yeah. sort of organization yeah, based in the U.S. Tank, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Horowitz Foundation. Yeah, is exactly. David Horowitz. Yeah. So this is America ruining everything again. Yeah. <laughs> Interfering with the European elections, yeah. just like in the good old days. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, without that uh, money, he doesn't have, uh, there's no, the PVV has nothing because they get no government financing, of course, yeah. because they're not a real political they're party. Proper, they're not yeah. a registered political party. And right. even that law on donations uh, actually officially applies to political parties, so they had to have kind of a separate rule to make sure that it covered the PVV as well. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, that is all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can now send comments, compliments, abuse, and suggestions for the names for the kittens of Mr. Wilders by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. My thanks to Paul Peters and Gordon Derrick. I'm Molly Quell. We will be back next week. Mm-hmm.